Uh, actually, the sermon this evening, it is scripture. We're looking at scripture, and I'm making a few uh, brief remarks about uh, each passage. Uh, but I want to kind of a big picture uh, message and uh, look at the, the sweep of scripture when it comes to this uh, subject, the presence of God. Uh, at home, uh, in the morning when I have my uh, devotional time, I, I set up a little camp chair. Uh, this is so that I, my, my thing, so I'm not just looking at my desk, because this can distract me. Oh, look at this on my desk, and this and this. So I sit in a little camp chair, and I like to pray there. And uh, One morning, uh, in my devotional uh, time, uh, actually a number of months ago, I was uh, reading God's Word, and uh, a very simple thing God just so impressed upon me. That is the presence of God. And uh, so the sermon had its, uh, its genesis, shall we say, a few months, of, few months ago in my uh, morning devotions. Uh, presence makes a big difference. At school, uh, teachers in the hallway uh, can make a difference. Uh, you know, think about this. If uh, teachers were never in the hallway, oh my, this, this could be a problem. Uh, with, with children, the presence of parents uh, makes a huge difference. And the children that are just kind of left on their own with, with no presence of, of parents uh, around, there could be profound negative effects of uh, presence makes a difference. And so, uh, are you ready? I'm going to make a deep, profound statement. God exists and is present. Tomorrow morning in, in your devotions, or evening, or whenever, just sit there for a few minutes. Think about that. God exists outside of time and space. What does that even mean? God exists and he is present. This morning I, I shared a story about when I sensed God's presence in a very real way. I, shall we say I, I felt God's presence. Uh, but I think it's important that we believe in the presence of God and not just say we have to feel it all the time. Uh, feelings are a part of life. I, I embrace feelings when it, it uh, intersects with my faith. This is a part of life. However, I have a little sign in my office that, that says, faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. Faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. And I have students that struggle. They can struggle with faith. And uh, they'll say, I just don't feel God's presence. And uh, I say, you know what? Keep seeking God. Keep reading his word. Keep praying and believe it. Because it's important that we believe it without, we, we just believe it. And not that I have to feel it. And I say, keep praying and seeking God. And, and God in his way, in his time, will reveal his, his truth to you know how that will be, but, but keep seeking God. Uh, so the presence of God, 
And uh, we are going to uh, uh, begin with the, uh, the Garden of Eden. And I have a little clicker. Oh, good. Now, you'll see a lot of uh, blank lines there. I'm going to be asking you what you think the next, next point is. I will put no one on the spot, though, so rest at ease. It's all fine. Okay. Uh, the Garden of Eden, the perfect communion with God. Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Humans were created in God's image. Humans were created righteous. We were created holy. We had perfect relationship with one another and we had a perfect relationship with Almighty God. And that perfect relationship was broken because of sin, because of unholiness. There was a break in our perfect communion with the presence of God. All right. So what do you think that, uh, that T is any any guesses? If you guess wrong, it's fine. But are there any guesses on what uh, the T is? And think about the presence of God, okay, in Israel's history. Anybody have a guess here? T A B. <laughs> you were thinking yes. Yes, the tabernacle. The tabernacle. Uh, Exodus forty. Exodus forty. Half of the book of Exodus is about history. Then the other half, the whole half of the book is about building the tabernacle, the tent to house the presence of God. And finally, at the end of the book, we come to these verses. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And all the travels of the Israelites, wherever the, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, and the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Can you picture in the wilderness all of the Israelites there? They spend so much time. There's so much activity going on. What are they building? What are they building? Oh, the tabernacle. What is this going to be like? And finally, they dedicate the tabernacle. And in, in this uh, 
passage, the presence of God was, was visible, and I believe felt as well, as, as the children of Israel looked up and, and they saw the glory of God descend upon the tabernacle, and they said, ah, oh, we're all right, because God is with us. The glory of God and the tabernacle, God on earth. Now the tabernacle was uh, with the Israelites for hundreds of years, 400, 500 years. And uh, then there was a a faithful king that came along, King David. And uh, he had plans for something. So what's the next T? The temple. Oh, okay, we're warming up the congregation. Uh, The temple... And uh, God uh, said, David, I'm going to make a a covenant with you. Your dynasty will never end. We know this is God's royal grant covenant with David that points to Jesus. Uh, God said to David, although you're a man of war, so you are not going to build the temple. I want a man of peace, king of peace, uh, to build the temple. So David did a lot of preparation for the temple, but... He uh, passed away, and his son Solomon became, became king, and Solomon is the one that built the temple. Temple. Good. There's so much here I wanted to read. I've just tried to uh, narrow it here. Second Chronicles, uh, I'm going to begin in chapter 3. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite, the place provided by David. Uh, This is the spot where uh, it is thought that Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, This is the spot where there was a plague sweeping through Israel, And David looked up and saw the the angel of judgment, and he he rushed to this spot and offered a sacrifice, and God stopped the plague. And uh, this was the spot for the temple. Uh, Many people think, if you go to Israel today, this is the Dome of the Rock, the Golden Dome uh, in Israel, which is a Muslim mosque. This is is the exact place. If you go into the, the Dome of the Rock, there's a rock. I mean, right there. And uh, they think this is the place. Anyway. Uh, Solomon began building on the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. The foundation Solomon laid for building the temple of God was 60 cubits long by 20 cubits wide. 90 feet by 30 feet. Now, I live in uh, Elmhurst over there by uh, uh, Elder Hoving and uh, Ken Heisinger. So we live, uh, can you picture this on Sailor over here? So my lot, maybe you know your lot where your house, my lot is 50 feet wide and 120 feet deep. Okay, my lot. The temple would fit right inside my lot. It was 30 feet by 90 feet. Okay, so in, in our standards of today, rather small. Uh, This did not take away from it all, but just trying to give you an idea of how big this was. The portico at the front of the temple was 20 cubits long across the width of the building and 30 cubits high. 
He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He paneled the main hall with juniper and covered it with fine gold, decorated with palm tree and chain designs. He adorned the temple with precious stones, and the gold he used was the gold of Paravaim. He overlaid the ceiling with beams, the door frames, the walls, the doors of the temple with gold, and he carved cherubim on the walls. We know from the book of Hebrews that the tabernacle and the temple was, was a symbol of God's presence in heaven. And so it makes sense that they would take the most precious material gold and just cover the walls with gold because this was to be the most valued, the most treasured spot on earth for the Israelites. Second Chronicles 5. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the place in the inner sanctuary of the temples. We know this as the Holy of Holies. The most holy place. And he put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. Then the worship team came out. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They'd have an organ if it was invented then, but they didn't have that yet. Uh, The singers raised their voices and praised to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. He is good. His love endures forever. Then uh, Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. The cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Uh, now, Second uh, Chronicles seven. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Sometimes when I read the Bible and I read some of these worship services, I think, now that's a time that I would have liked to have been in it. The dedication of Solomon's temple. And the glory of the Lord, the presence, the weight of God's presence coming in to a structure on earth. God's presence coming and dwelling with his people. This shows the reality and the power of God's presence and also the graciousness of God that he wants to be with his people. He doesn't want to give up on us sinful human beings. Now back then, uh, kids, okay, if, uh, if uh, somebody asked you, where is God, you would probably point in the direction of the temple. Well, yes, I do believe God is everywhere, but oh, especially he's over there. The cloud, the t- that's, that, is, that is where God is. Now, as we know from Old Testament history, uh, the people sinned, and the temple, the building, was not to be seen as a good luck, luck charm. Oh, everything will be fine for us. We have the temple. The people sinned and turned their back upon God. 
And so the presence of God left the temple. In the last book of of the Bible, Malachi, it says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. God has left the temple, but there is a promise for the Lord to return to his temple. All right. What is the next word? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, that's that's fine. Jesus. Jesus as the temple. From John chapter... John chapter 8. Then the Jews responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken us 46 years to build this temple. Uh, Herod the Great was a very cruel person, Uh, but one thing he did was build the temple, and the Jews were very appreciative of that. Uh, the temple they built when they returned from exile was just a small uh, thing, but uh, this grand, huge temple complex that took 46 years to build, Herod the Great uh, poured a lot of money and uh, effort into this. Uh, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. The presence of God did not come back to earth in a worship service with a cloud. It came as a person. The triune God beyond space and time And God comes, the Christmas story, God comes, the presence of God as a person, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns for all eternity, the living Lord Jesus Christ, the presence of God. C. Any guesses on C? presence of God. This is from uh, 1 Corinthians. talks about, and it actually is uh, the New Testament and the temple. Do, do we have any guesses? C-H-U, the church. The church. The church as the temple. Don't you know, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. And here's, here's the thing. For, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. That word you is the plural, you. So this is specifically referring to you, plural, the church. Now, friends, uh, I don't think this is a lack of faith. I do not think that 
a cloud will descend right now. Um, however, a cloud doesn't need to descend. But these are powerful, powerful words when you really think about it. God exists and is present. Almighty God, who was and is and is to come, is in our presence tonight. Our gathering pleases him. Our worship honors him. It is spiritual, but it is real. It is real, the actual presence of Almighty God. And I know that as humans, we just need to be reminded of this because oftentimes we can just go through the motions. This is just kind of how we are. So it's good for us to, to take a breath and remember we, as the church, are in the presence of Almighty God, the same God who filled the tabernacle and the temple with a cloud of glory so that people could not even stand. This is the God that we serve. Uh, 1 Corinthians also uh, talks about the temple in a different way. Any uh, guesses on B? The, the body. The body as the temple. In 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in Maybe sometime this week, you just get this passage out, that, that one, one phrase. And you just think about that. You just pray about that. And allow the power of God's word in that one short phrase to just come into your, your spirit, to your soul. The Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Obviously, you've, you've heard sermons on this passage before. I just want to make this point, that in Jesus, we are declared holy. We don't live a perfectly holy life yet, we will someday. But in Jesus, we are holy. And that... Uh, Pastor Greg's prayer this morning. Uh, in the prayer, he talked about God has given us the righteousness of Christ. And because of that, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God with us. The presence of God with us together as the church. The presence of God with us as an individual as well. And lastly, uh, this is, uh, the last one is not Revelation, although the scripture passage is in Revelation. And uh, I don't think the word is in Revelation. But uh, does anybody have a guess on what this would be? Rest. Yes, restoration. Restoration. When all is restored. When, in a sense, we return to the way God intended initially the very top there, the Garden 
of Eden. Revelation uh, 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Tonight, I wanted us simply to to think about the presence of God. Kind of like I do in my my morning devotions. Uh, And to be honest, some days it it hits me more than others. Uh, But it is such a blessing. This simple, profound point. God exists. And he exists. 